everyone. It's Steve Wiss here. And I'm joined by Jonathan for Dugborough, and this is the Nordic Football Podcast. Um, our second episode this week after a fantastic uh, interview on uh, which was released on Monday. Um, on Sean Constable, the uh, Ossesson's ex-assistant manager. Um, absolutely, really uh, a great insight into the club, into uh, Scandinavia as a whole. And um, we, we, I just want to say great reaction we've had from that podcast. Um, and uh, a great interview, John. I must say, um, you, you seem like you really enjoyed that one with uh, with Sean. Yeah, hi everyone. Uh, hi to you, Steve. Um, yeah, back for another episode this week, so two in a week. But yeah, I had a really good chat with Sean um, over the weekend. I had a great conversation with him about Sweden, uh, about life in Norway and Sweden as a coach, the differences between the two club uh, nations, sorry, um, and managing in general, and also. Um, this time at Ostersunds where he's recently left the club and yeah if you haven't listened to it obviously go back uh, we had a really great reaction like you say and it's um, good to be back for back to business now isn't it this week season in Sweden returns after the summer break so we're back for more yeah it's been a really sporadic period in both leagues really um, you know Sweden's had a complete break Norway's been very stop start with uh, a few weeks off there's been cup rounds mixed in to make things more complicated um, so yeah, a bit more regularity now um, as the uh, the summer comes around. Uh, Europa League qualifiers, Champions League qualifiers, more on that later. But um, you know the Swedish league is back, and uh, there was a match on Tuesday night, a big one as well. Ark against the Norshipping, two nil win for the visitors there, John. Uh, I asked you today actually. I, I was wondering why that game was um, was played isolated on its own. It's to do with the um, the scheduling of the um, European qualifiers, isn't it? But uh, a significant result, really, that one, wasn't it? Yes, uh, a really good game to, to come back to, to a mouth-watering fixture. Uh, a massive game, really, for North Shopping, because I believe that if they hadn't uh, done well in that game, then they'd be totally out of the title race. And any chance of winning the league, I think, would have been completely over. Um, they're still, you know nine points behind Malmo, so this isn't sort of like, they, they're not really back in it by any stretch of the imagination necessarily, but I think 12-point gap, it would have been game over for them. Uh, big win away from home as well at the Champions, who had a bit of a, you know, wobble of late. Um, they're now six points behind Malmo in third, uh, and behind Jurgarden as well, who have a game in hand, they're big rivals, so yeah, a bit of a blow for uh, OE Core, but it was uh, a fantastic uh, performance and result from Norshopping in the end, I think in terms of the professionalism, uh, the way they managed the game. Obviously, they had a bit of luck with the red card uh, to Dimitriadis, but all in all, I thought North Shopping were good value. Yeah, I mean, the way I see it, I, that looks like a very good um, result for, for Malmo, actually, because uh, I mean, North Shopping are quite a fair bit adrift. But it looked like AIK was going to be the, the side to, to challenge Malmo there, but they're six points clear of AIK. I looked at the goals, and I was shocked to see them uh, headed uh, against them from set pieces. I mean, isn't the strength of AIK meant to be defensively uh, stuff like that? I mean, uh, that was really surprising how they caught them out from from set pieces. Was that just a fluke, or was it a Pacific North Shipping threat? Do you think? Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, AIK have traditionally been very, very defensively uh, aware and alert uh, in their title race last season in their in their, in their run to winning the league. 
But this year has not been the case whatsoever. And uh, for people who like fantasy football, they'll be pretty disappointed, I think, because, I mean, I know I've got a couple of core players in my team in, in the defence and they just haven't kept clean sheets. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think they've, I think they've kept one, two clean sheets in their last six games. So that tells you quite a lot about, you know, how they're doing. And yeah, not, not, not fantastic, to be honest. Uh, two set pieces, two goals, both of them by Neiman, Christopher Neiman. And yeah, it's just a very, very important win that they rode the game out. And I was impressed by their sort of tactical setup. Yeah, so the two goals were from set pieces. But in terms of the general flow of the game, I mean, I saw some interesting tweets that you were springing out of how Norshipping are very um, interesting side tactically. Um, you want to go into a little bit of detail about that and um, what impressed you most about them in that capacity? Yeah, well, it's something we touched on on the podcast uh, with Sean Constable. And I asked him to name his favourite teams and players to watch this this season so far. And one of the teams he called out for particular praise was uh, was Norshipping. And obviously they're my preseason tip for the title, but it's gone quite, you know, they haven't quite picked up that form to and, and consistency to, to really challenge for the league. But uh, in terms of their, their tactical approach and I think the way they play football, I do think they're an admirable team team to watch. And I think Sean made a very good point, which I also believe. Um, the way they utilise their midfielders, they sort of use midfielders as, as wingers, sometimes wing-backs in a 3-4-3 in a three, three system, uh, sometimes as centre-backs, you know, the likes of Dagestal, who I've seen play centre midfield uh, many times in person. Uh, you know, so they ha- they just have a really fluid shape about them. Uh, tactically, they're very intelligent, and I thought they managed the game extremely well uh, with, the, with the red card. Uh, although they were under the, some pressure early on um, from yeah, okay, they managed to ride that out and, and just pick up the win. I think they are an, an interesting side to watch and one of the better teams to watch. Their manager uh, Jens Gustafsson is is very highly rated as a coach, and if you look at their form from last season, that was why I sort of think, thought they would pick it up. There's a couple of rumours now that um, their manager, uh, sorry, their a couple of players may leave. Simon Turn, a really really key player there, may be off, and Jordan Larson as well, who's uh, who's doing very very well this season in the league, um, scoring goals after goals. He's one of the top scorers in the league with eight league goals. Rumours he may be off as well. Um, so a couple of their best players are uh, raising eyebrows, but um, all in all, no shopping. It was a, a very very important win. And maybe their European hunt, if not title race hunt, is uh, is back up and running. Yeah, so let's have a look at the general state uh, of play in this league. Um, as, it, as it resumes uh, this weekend, everyone's playing. Malmo are top on 30 points. Jorgarten, 24 points, although they've got a game in hand. AIK on 24. And you've got a bunch of teams on 21. Both of the uh, Gothenburg outfits and Norshipping have joined them there. Down at the bottom, it's not looking good for AFC. Eskilstuna or Falkenberg or uh, Helsingborg are in the bottom three right now as well. Um, I mean, State of Play was an absolutely huge game coming up at the weekend um, on the Sunday. Uh, AIK Malmo. Um, I mean, is that now in the must-win territory for AIK, do you think? Well, I wouldn't say must-win because it's still you know early days. We're not even halfway through the, t- the league yet. Uh, 13 games played. We've still got a lot of a lot of rope left to, 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 to pull in this in this tug of war. But I think the way Malmo are doing in particular, one loss this season, you know, the, the fewest goals conceded in the league, the most goals scored in the league, they look very ominous 
uh, to be honest. I think they're going to take a lot of stopping now, the way they're going. Uh, they just signed a player as well, Jonas Knudsen from Ipswich Town, uh, who's a very, very solid signing of Danish international. He can play left back, he can play sort of in a you know, left-sided, maybe centre-back role if they go for a th you know, three-man back low, for example. He'll add a lot of um, versatility and, and, and quality, really, to their, to their back line. Played, I think, over 150 games, roughly, for, for Ipswich. So, really, they're looking very, very strong at the moment, I think. You know, if AIK were to lose that, you know, it's looking, they've already opened up a six-point gap. Obviously, you're going to have a game in hand, so that could be three points. But the way Mamo are playing, Mamo and Uwe Rosler, do worry for the rest of the league, really, for the Olympic boys. Yes, um, definitely. Uh, Mulder, uh, Mulder, Malmo looking uh, very strong at the top of uh, of this league right now, and then the result of the weekend will be will be interesting. Uh, there's been quite a few weeks off um, the league in in Sweden. There's been some uh, transfers though to talk about, to John. Some big ones as well that need to be mentioned on here. Um, maybe you want to just uh, tell the listeners about uh, the crucial ones in uh, relating to the Arsvenskan. Yeah, well, there's been a few moves, like, like we said there. Uh, Jonas Knudsen is, I think, a big signing for, for Mauer. just shores up that defence even more. Then there's the one we talked about on the two pods ago, which is obviously Benjamin Negren, who's officially been signed uh, by Genk in Belgium. So the champions of Belgium there have snapped him up. Big, big signing. And... Um, yeah, you know, I did have a bit of a rant about that and sort of overly thrilled, but, uh, you know, you have to get used to it and uh, we'll see what happens. And uh, I think one of the other big moves of the window really is Linus Hellenius, who's gone to Cyprus. He's left the league. Uh, he's been a solid goal scorer over a number of years now, um, particularly the last two seasons where he's really, really been good. Second top, second top scorer in the in the country last season. Uh, and he's, he's departed, so... Big blow for Gibson, so really, especially when they're hovering above relegation just about with the financial problems that are quite well documented. They had to sell him, really, and um, I think they are going to, they're in a bit of a pickle, actually. If you look towards the ongoing as the season goes on, they they, they may struggle to sort of match the uh, wonderful season they had last year, especially with the loss of their captain. Yeah, it looks like they're in a bit of a mess, actually, Sundsvall. Um... They're above the relegation zone right now, but only on goal difference. Uh, Helsingborg are um, on the same amount of points, and there's been a big change there. A new manager has come uh, into the fold for Helsingborg, and it's a bit of a, well, a legend uh, in many ways, but I understand uh, a bit uh, is that the opinion of him at the club is uh, indifferent. Yeah, very big, very big move, and um, it's the return of Henrik Larsson to the Swedish league, and the return to his former club. Uh, he's back to Helsingborg, which, well, if I tell you that the last time I saw Henrik Larsson at, uh, at uh, Helsingborg, he was being basically chased out of the club by angry, angry ultras uh, after they were relegated in, in 2016, uh, that doesn't really tell half the story. You know, a lot of fans were not happy at all. Uh, with his him replacing uh, their manager who departed, he was I think fired, um, and he's left he's left the club. So yeah, a lot of fans aren't really too happy about that. Um, Henry Glass says it's water under a bridge, and he's happy to be back. But really, 
you know, there's a little bit of unrest at, at that appointment. So we'll, we'll see how things transpire. But uh, yeah, it's a return to Sweden for him. And obviously he's a massive name in Sweden, a legend really. Um, and, you know, it will drum up some more interest, won't it? Yeah, I mean, what, what's gone wrong at Helsingborg? Because, um, I mean, pre-season, pretty much everywhere you looked, everyone's saying no problem, they're not going to be involved in any relegation battle. They're going to be mid-table comfortably and might even be a dark horse to you know, to challenge um, you know, the top six or seven. But they've been really poor, haven't they? Uh, what, what, what's gone wrong there exactly? Well, I think maybe they were a little bit much was expected of them. Um, even myself, I, th I thought they would do quite well, but they haven't really done as well as maybe was, was um, thought. Don't forget, they've only come up. So, you know, we've talked in the past about there's a little bit of a, you know, the teams that get promoted from Super Etten, there tends to be a gap opening up at the moment. Oh, yeah. teams that come yeah. up, struggle. In fact, all the three teams are uh, the bottom three who have been promoted. So that tells you everything, really. Um, and I think that it's almost in the exact order that they were, were promoted. Um, so, yeah, I think that is part of it. I think expectations were a little bit high. Maybe some of the bigger names like Grant Chris, we've taken them, um, overvalued them maybe slightly. Uh, but, you know, they're only three points behind Kalmar in 11th, so, you know, and four points behind Osterson's in 10th. So it's not as if it's not the end of the world. But um, I think one of the other elements to it is I haven't seen much from some of their signings. Uh, the likes of Nolan Bowe, uh, who came from Gillingham, a young player, and uh, Kunyai Bendu, who's formerly been at Celtic with, uh, amongst many clubs. Um, we haven't seen much of them really in the first 12, 13 games. And I think maybe the recruitment, that hints at sort of maybe the recruitment issues and not really integrating them in, into the squad. So Pierre Ole Leung, you know, was left his job. And they've, they've made a change. So we'll see how things go. I still think they'll be okay in terms of surviving. I, I think they've got enough to not go down. I'd be surprised. But, uh, you know, Henrik Larsson has experience in relegation with Helsingborg, so he will not want to repeat that, I'm sure. Are Kalmar ever not 11th at any stage of the season? It just feels like they live in 11th place, no matter what the hell's going on. But um, and it's the same old story every time with them, isn't it? With, with with the style and the goals. But, I mean, you've got to be concerned, really concerned about AFC, Eskilstuna and Falkenberg right now, haven't you? They've only scored nine goals each. Um, even Kalmar have, Kalmar have scored more than that. Um, and... Already, it's it's early. It looks like they, they could be potentially getting set adrift. You know, do you give them any hope? Well, it's funny because we did a poll recently asking who you know who what team do you support in the league on Twitter. We had a lot of Kalmar fans, didn't we? It turned out. I know um, they must be very popular, Kalmar. Yeah, yeah. So we might have to start talking about them a little bit more, give them a bit more airtime on this show. But um, yeah, I think to be honest. Uh, Falkenberg, Eskilstuna, they just they are struggling. They've got one win each. Um, Falkenberg's underlying sort of XG uh, statistics, you know, their expected goals and that kind of thing have has looked quite good. Uh, as we discussed in the show with Sean Constable, you know, at one point they were better than Ofsterson's. And, you know, maybe you might have expected them to things to swing in their favour at some point, maybe, but at the moment it hasn't really happened. They're not scoring enough goals, they're conceding a lot, 23. AFC Eskilstuna have conceded 21 for Falkenberg. So, yeah, both both teams are struggling. I think Kalmar, you know, like you say, they're kind of the, um, I'm trying to think the equivalent in, in England, to be honest. I would have said West Brom, but, you know, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Who's, their, who's their equivalent? Maybe what? Newcastle? You know, just a team mid-table-ish. Which team are we on about here? Kalmar? Kalmar, yeah. Well, I can't believe Kalmar would be like Newcastle United. I mean, Newcastle are huge, aren't they, really? Um, I've won a title more recently than uh, Newcastle, that's for sure. But uh, you could be right there. You could be right. Um, but yeah, you know, they're a team that sort of tends to get things, get the job done. They know what they're doing and they, they you know, they hover around mid-table. They've only won two games this season. Uh, they just managed to pick off draws and, you know, seven draws out of 12. They don't lose too many games. They've just got that knack. Um, so yeah, you know, Calmar fans, if you want, if you've got a theory as to why you're always so solid, please let us know. Well, the last time Newcastle United won a trophy, Queen Victoria was on the throne, wasn't she? Some, I don't know, it was a long time ago, probably a bit sooner than that. But um, um, Kalmar, yeah, um, very interesting. It, it was a, a very good poll, actually, that. We um, had a lot of responses and uh, I was interested to see how many... I was surprised. Kalmar were one of the surprises for me, but uh, obviously uh, there's room for, for Scope to, to talk about them a lot more. Um, so... Uh, Yes, I mean, you say at the bottom there, it looks like yeah, Helsingborg might have a new lease of life there. Sundsvall, um, you mentioned they are in a big big financial trouble, John. Um, is that going to be potentially points dropped then? or? Well, yeah, I think they, they are struggling. They've, they've, they've admitted, you know, they've, they admitted they need to sell players. I think one of the other Spanish players had his contract terminated recently, David Harrow, who wasn't really a massive part of the squad, to be honest, but um, maybe they wanted to get rid of him for financial reasons. Yeah, if you look at it, Hellenius is a massive part of their game. Uh, they've got a few other players, maybe Sema and you know a few others, Batanera. But you know, Batanera, I'm sure he was rumored to have been a, the subject of a big bid from AIK um, before the season started, and you know he's worth a few quid. So I can imagine there'll be some uh, interest in him. Um, yeah, I, I think they are. There's worrying signs for their fans, to be honest. I think they, you know. They're going to struggle without a goal scorer in Hellenius. Sundsvall are uh, playing against AFC Eskilstuna this weekend. That looks like a six-pointer already. Sundsvall actually odds on with the bookmakers. Would you be backing them at an odds on price? Well, I mean, AFC Eskilstuna are in such bad form. It's hard to say that I would I would back Eskilstuna, to be fair. You know, they since they beat EFC Gothenburg on the first day of the season, they haven't won a single game. They've just drawn three. Uh, Malmo battered them 5 0. North Shopping beat them 2 0 away in their last match. So, yeah, you know, um, uh, you'd worry about them. And if you look at Eskil's doing upcoming fixtures, after Gibson, they've got Ewell Garden at home, Kalmar at home, EFCO away, Hammerby away, Ostersons, oh. Hammerby at home, Ostersons away, AIK at home, which is a, you know, how many points do you see them getting there, really? It's. Mm. it's they're going to have to really significantly up their game or get some transfer transfers in. Yeah. Or they're, they're in, you know, they look like toast. Mm, yeah, it's uh, a huge game for them. Um, that's for sure. So uh, you must be excited about the league uh, resuming uh, on a full-time basis now, now, John. Is there any a team or two that you're really looking to hope, um, you know, really move and progress forward in the second half of the season to, to keep your eye on? I'll say that again, sorry. Is there a team, you know, for the second half of the season that um, potentially could be want to keep an eye on to that could rise up the the league from sort of mid table? Well, we'll see. I think you know one of the interesting things to look out for at the moment, both for fantasy players and um, the league in general, is Hammerby. 
I think they have a big situation in terms of their their striker on loan, Vidar Kiata Hansen. He's got three games left before his loan expires. And, you know, they're seventh at the moment, but they, they've been pretty decent to watch. And I think, you know, his departure, can they overcome that? Will that be a, will that be a big blow? Can they get him back, maybe? I think that, that's a big question mark over them. Um, Audible, I think there's a lot of talk at the moment about Carlos Strandberg maybe leaving, Malmo looking to sell him. There's been rumours a Turkish club is, is making a bid. And if they were to lose him, I think that's a that's a big worry. You know, he's been responsible for quite quite a lot of their goals this season and their all-round play. So I think there's various players that maybe, you know, their departure can have a significant impact on the team. We have one question actually from a, a listener about, you know, how much will EF Corps miss Benjamin Negron, for example? That's another one. Um, you know, how will they cope with his loss? Gibson Swell and Hellenius, how will they cope with that? The only team that really seems to be significantly adding is Malmo, you know, adding a bit of strength there. Um, a couple of others looking to do business, but yeah, that's, you know, that tells you a bit about the league in general. You know, sometimes look at North Shopping, if, if they lose Simon Turn and Jordan Larson, they're absolutely screwed, aren't they? You know, that's their best top goal scorer and probably their best, their best player. Um, that would just ruin them for the season, in my opinion. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of key transfers coming up in, in, in the next few weeks. And I think that will determine a lot about where this league goes. Yeah, and uh, we talked talked about our Svenskan fantasy there. You, if anyone who plays that, you can join our league uh, with the join code two one two three zero slash four zero nine seven. Unfortunately, I missed the uh, deadline uh, before Tuesday. I got completely mixed up with all the time, so I don't even know what my team is this week. I've been fighting against uh, you know the bottom five places all year. Although you actually joined me down there, didn't you? Um, before the yeah, uh, the wild card now. I played my wild card, but uh, I think I got Jordan last and they didn't score. So I've got about. I mean, you mentioned the AIK defenders. I've had a few of those in my team as well this year that have uh, they've not been too great for me. But uh, yeah, I mean, I have to look, look at the transfers because there's all sorts going on. Cartinson is a, is someone I've been relying on a lot this year. So you know, let's see uh, how the fantasy goes. But yeah, please join um, with the fantasy league. Um, and I suppose we better move on now to uh, talk a bit about Norway, John, because uh, that league has been um, it's not had a complete break. It did have a few weeks off because of the international uh, period. Um, but uh, we've had uh, Litasarium rounds, a couple of full rounds recently, and the Cup has been absolutely ridiculously uh, wild. All sorts of results left, right and centre there. Yeah, well, as we watch this as well, um, I've, just, I've just turned on the TV in England of beaten Norway's women as well. So they're out of the World Cup, the Women's World Cup. Um, so disappointing maybe result there for Norway at the hands of Phil Neville and his girls. Um, but yeah, we've got some questions from the listeners. And I'm going to start you off with one of them, I think, to, to kick off this uh, section, uh, Norwegian section. So Steve, tell me something about Tromso. We have a question from Simon Thomas, who is a student of French, Italian, Norwegian, Danish and Swedish. Um, so good to hear from you, Simon Thomas. Thanks for your question. With the Rosenborg win, uh, are Tromso out of trouble now, or are they still in trouble? Salut, Thomas. Um, you know what? I'm really pleased for Tromso. I really am pleased for Simo Valakite. He's won three games in a row uh, in the league, uh, two of them against um, you know, Rosenborg and Mulder at home. Um, and you know what? They've actually done something that I didn't think they were capable of doing. They've won games a bit of an, in an ugly way, if you know what I mean. 
I'm sure all of those wins they've had, if you look at expected goals for those games, they will not have come out on top in the statistics at all. Um, in fact, they would have, in a couple of them, they've been dominated against. Uh, but they've hung in there, they've grafted hard. Some defenders uh, need some praise. Uh, Antonsen, he's normally midfield, has gone to the back line and, and played really well. Seaman Wangberg, it's no surprise his resumption um, into the starting 11 after injury has resulted in two clean sheets. They put a lot of bodies on the line, some great blocks in there. And um, they've kind of gone away from their, their not, I'm not saying they ever were fancy football under uh, Valakari, but they've gone away from the, the sort of the passing possession game a bit more and they've been willing to adapt. And, um, you yeah, know, I think you've got to give him a lot of credit. I always said there no way would he, would they go down under Simo Valakari. He's too good a manager and he's proved it in the last few weeks. Um, are they reliable again? That's a different qu- question entirely because it's not like I'm, the wins haven't been that convincing. There's been an element of luck about them, and, and they've got a lot of injuries still. So uh, I don't think they can be relied upon necessarily, but it's good to see that they've, there's more than one string to their bow, you know? Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the interesting things with Trumzo, I seem, uh, you know, I notice is they seem to be a sort of team that either wins or loses, aren't they? Oh, they don't yeah. seem to draw many games until one draw all season. Um, you know, won four and lost seven. So they seem to be a team that is committed to getting a result one way or another, don't they? I mean, I've got an interesting question here from Adam Mack, which I, I, I found quite quite a good one, to be honest, at Mac Attack FPL. Adam, thanks for your question. And he asks, it seems like anybody can be anybody in the league this area. And predicting results is near impossible. Is this normal for the league or a feature of the season? And uh, as someone who, you know, professionally tips the league, um, you know, predicting results is kind of your bag, isn't it, Steve? So what's your thoughts on that question from uh, Adam Mack? I think the answer is, yeah, it's fairly normal. You know, there's periods when, seriously, there's periods when this league is going on and I can't pick my nose, you know. Um, I can't uh, predict anything. And there's other periods There's other periods where um, I'm flying and um, and it's very easy to, to, to predict. At this moment in time, I feel there's a lot of variation going on. Um, there's been quite a few surprising teams this year. Um, so, yeah, probably anyone can beat anyone, really. Um, I mean, look at Mulder. They've lost away against Tromsø and, and Christiansund. Um, you know, it's, it's results are a bit wild right now. Um, so, uh, yeah, tread very carefully. And, uh, I mean, nothing surprises me at the moment in, in the elitist area. And there's no real consistency from anyone. And uh, there's another question following on from that, which I'll just delve straight into and I can answer later maybe as well, uh, which is from This Is Liam. Or Liam, I always wonder about that. So if you do listen to this podcast, uh, Mr. At This Is Liam, please let me know. He asks, uh, and thanks for your question, he asks, do you stand with your same end-of-season predictions for the second half of the season? And obviously you've got Mulder to win the league. I can't quite recall who you had to go down, but um, you know, Mulder are top by three points now, but Odd have got two games in hand. Uh, and Buddha Glimpse are only you know, five points behind with two games in hand as well. So are you still... You know, happy with your call for Mulder? Yeah, in terms of Mulder, I'm, I'm pretty confident they're going to win the league. I think um, it's not the greatest year in terms of quality um, in the elite Assyrian. So the big teams like Rosenborg and Bran, uh, Valerenga, they're just not doing enough right now. So, uh, yeah, I think Mulder can win the league, but there's a chance for Odd and there's a chance for Buda Glimp to do... Not necessarily a Leicester City, but you know what I mean. There's a chance for one of them to spring a real surprise and win the league. 
if they can keep it up. Um, so whether they can, I don't think either of them can, to be honest, but um, they've set themselves up well. So stranger things have happened, haven't they, in life? So uh, Mulder have got to be careful. They've dropped a couple of stupid defeats when they, when they shouldn't have done. Um, but uh, they're, they're so great at home um, that they'll probably win. I mean, how many home games do you have in the league now? 15 home games. They'll probably win about 12 or 13 home games, and that is probably enough to, to see them over the line. Um, but in terms of my other predictions, uh, I predicted Sarpsborg in third. Um, they're not doing so well right now, but I do think they can rebound and, uh, and climb up the league in the second half of the season. And at the bottom of the table, uh, Ranheim yet again seem to defy me, don't they? Uh, <laughs> who knows with them? I, I can't. I, I really cannot. Um, there's no logic behind Ranheim sometimes, uh, John. But yeah, I think Mjern Dahlen have given it a, a good fight, but they're probably going to go down. By and large, I do stand by my predictions, yeah. Which team do you find hardest to look at from a betting perspective? You know, you you sent, do you tend to have your favourites that you stick to? You know, maybe a handful of teams that you're always got a good read on? Or are there teams that, you know, come and go? Um, you know, which which ones are the tough ones? That? Uh, that's, I'd say Christiansund, one of the hardest sites. Because they're, they're a funny, I said it in my preview at the weekend against Starbeck. They, they're not very good when they're favourites. If you if they're odds on to win a game, they often don't win it. But if they're sort of a, a nice little underdog at the right sort of price, then they'll uh, rock up and win. Um, you could say that's kind of predictable in a way, but I don't like that about sides. I like if a side's a favourite, odds on favourite to win the game. I want to see them winning the match. You know, I like to see that sort of reliability. Um, I mean, I'm not just after predictions in terms of who's going to win the game i'm i'm a big goals man over two and a half over 2.75 goals so I, I do like um to be betting on sides that are good defensively and crap at the back i don't like sides who create loads of chances and, and miss them all the time like sarpsborg are really annoying this year for that um there's teams like uh Lillestrom who seem to be able to play all right against some of the big teams but they're absolutely crap against sides around them so there's always warning there's always a lot of warning alert signs on every league has them every year um all i just want is teams that are a bit consistent uh, in whatever capacity they do whether they're good at home crap away you know scoring goals or, or not scoring goals mm -hmm. uh, the worst sort of sides that just go up and down you know like a horse draws mate um and christian sunder probably one of those um at the moment uh, there's a couple of others that spring to mind as well potentially Runheimer, yeah. Runheimer are horrible, horrible to deal with uh, for that. Um, okay, yeah. thanks for that. Um, I'm going to move on to another question now, and this is, a, I've seen some loaded questions in my time, but this is like, you know, loaded magazine, to be honest, uh, for anyone who remembers them in the 90s. Um, Tom Den, who we've had on the show, and he's, a, you know, an employee, I believe, of Buddha Glimt, and he's asked us, with Odin and Glimt performing way above expectations, where will they finish the season and how important is the summer window now to hang on to what they have? And I think, yeah, it's worth focusing on Odd and Buda for a little bit mm. on this show because, like you said, a Leicester situation maybe potentially mm. um, both of them are absolutely flying. I think you said in pre-season uh, or the pre-season show that we don't talk hardly at all about Odd. And uh, I'm not going to let you get away with not talking about the man stepping on the table with two games in hand. So... Let's hear your opinions on those two teams. And do you think, as Tom asks, 
Well, naturally, let's start with Boody Galim, yeah? Because uh, I want to delay talking about Odd for as long as I can. Um, no, no, that's not happening. We're not talking about Odd on this I may add that I was one of the very few pundits in this league that actually predicted them to do all right. Most, uh, you know, man, men and his dog were uh, predicting them to be relegating, relegation fodder this year. Um, I could, uh, you know, and there's been a few apologies uh, around, I think, for that at the moment. It's obviously still a long way to go. Buda Glimt have been excellent. Um, I'm, one thing I must say is Odd and Buda Glimt, they're not just there by fluke, John. They're, they fully deserve their, where they are in the table right now. They've, uh, and, and it, you know, anyone who, um, you know, a neutral out there who wants to watch some Norwegian football, you could do worse than watching Buda Glimt. They play a lovely style of football. They've got some nice technical players, um, great on the ball. You've got to wonder how long that can continue for because then defensively there's a few signs that you can get at them defensively, you know, um, for sure. So they've got to keep scoring goals. I do worry a little bit about, you know, the, the striker up front, um, Herem, has done really well so far. But you wouldn't have him in sort of elite class or really top class striker. It just feels like he's playing above his level at the moment. Again, how long can he keep that up for? I do like what I've seen from him. I wish him the very best, but maybe they could do with another striker. I don't know. Uh, and of course, yeah, you need to keep hold of your players for Buda Glimt. Um, there'll be quite a few sniffing at uh, their promising, uh, talented uh, players. Um, yeah, I wanted to ask you about that, actually, because if you look at the, you know, elite Serbians of goal-scoring charts, there's two players I wanted to pick your brains on on, on these teams. Uh, one of them is Torgaya Borven, I believe. Yeah, year old who's got eight goals uh, in the league, second top scorer behind Oi, uh, and Amor Layuni of Buda Glimt, who has six goals, uh, a 26 year old. Tell us about these two players just briefly. And, um, you know, Tom asks if they are going to be able to keep on to what they have. Uh, are those two players maybe ones who might be in the shop window this, this summer? Actually, I don't think those two are going to be in the shop window because Layuni. Um... You know, he's not—he's not what you call highly sought after at this point in time, um, at all. I think it's more like the youngsters like Hakon, Evian, or or Patrick Berg, who uh, might be at more risk of moving on. Uh, I mean, of course, no one's ever safe in this league. If an offer comes in from anywhere decent, and it's hard for clubs to refuse, and it's very hard for the players to refuse, so no one's safe. But yeah, you know, like Uni's done really well. I always rated him. I think I said on the first show, get him in your fantasy team, and he's done one of the high-scoring players. Great winger cuts him from the um, inside and, and scores a lot of goals, creates a lot of chances on set pieces, good technically. Um, nice player, I rate him um, a lot. Turgia Bervan, on the other hand, is, is someone who's actually defied me, John. Um, uh, there's been times, certainly last year, at the start of this year, that I've, I've said publicly I don't rate him much. I uh, didn't see anything there that suggested he would be scoring so many goals this year, but he's inexplicably raised the level of his, his game in 2019. You know, I can't explain why, because it's he was someone who was in a real slump period for the last two or three years, but something happened uh, in the winter and he's looked really sharp. He's just looked better technically, mentally, confidence is up and he's um, he's scoring goals in all sorts of ways. You know, fox in a box, heading goals, you know, even from outside the area, he's looked a threat. So, um Look, fair play to him, and he doesn't look like he's going to stop scoring. But I don't see who's going to come in, um, you know, uh, for an offer from him. Certainly from abroad at this point in time, it'd be more likely to come 
at the end of the season, really, there. But, you know, fair play at Bourbon so far. He's, he's totally proved me wrong. Great stuff. Uh, thanks for that, Steve. I mean, let's just talk about Odd then. Um, can you see them sustaining it? And who have been their key men? Yeah, I mean, if, if there's one side that can sustain it, it, it will be them because they've got a very experienced manager, Fagermo, who, um, you know, a few years ago, this was a side that was regularly in the top three or four and were always touted as dark horses for the title. Um, it would be ironic this is the year when no one really did say that about them, that they would actually challenge. Um, the, the, the very consistent side, if you look at the odd team, that 11 will not change much throughout the whole... I mean, they played 11 games. There won't be many changes of note there. Uh, similar to Leicester City back when they were in the league, you know, they hardly changed their side, did they? Uh, but it's a 4-3-3 formation. They've got a couple of really strong central defenders in, in Hagen and uh, Semberger. Again, uh, the defence is, is rock solid. You've got midfielders who um, are hard to break down. And then, obviously, Bourbon up front's done well. And on either side of him, um, Roshani, who's a very popular fantasy pick, technically good player. And Sander Svensson, who hasn't got great stats in goals and assists, but he seems to make a real impact in the game. In the games, I think there's... Um, maybe a big second half of the season to come from Svensson in terms of statistics. Um, you know, one thing uh, in the midfield, uh, they did lose uh, Frederick Norgfeld to injury and they missed him a bit, but he came back at the weekend and scored two good goals. Um, can they sustain it? Yeah, they're the most likely team to sustain it. Um, but uh, it's odd against Buda Glimp this weekend, actually, John, uh, in Buda. So, um, you know, the result of that is obviously a big game for both. Yeah, and just a quick stat on odd that uh, listeners may be interested in. They've won the Norwegian Cup 12 times in the history, but they have never won the title. So it would really be a Leicester City situation in that, in that sense for odd. Uh, we're going to take a break now. Um, we're going to come back and talk a little bit about Europe and maybe a few other questions. Uh, so see you after this short break. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. My name is Jonathan Faduba and I'm joined by Steve Wiss, my colleague, uh, friend and associate. We're going to talk a little bit more about Norway because there's been a managerial departure or two uh, recently, hasn't there, Steve? And um, one of them is fairly high profile. Yeah, well, this happened at Starbeck um, a few weeks ago. Henning Berg has gone to one of the teams in Cyprus. I think it's Ammonia Nicosia. It's one of the Nicosia sides anyway. Um now, this he obviously wasn't sacked or anything, but they've been doing so poorly. It may well be a good thing for Starbeck. Um, and they brought back a guy called Jan Jonsson, a Swede, who uh, actually won the league with Starbeck in, uh, it was 2008 or 2009. So he's a bit of a legend here, a very experienced campaigner. Um, he's managed Rosenborg before, he's managed in Sweden, I think Halmstadt. Um, most recently, he was managing in Japan of all places. Um, and a very experienced uh, manager has come back to the fold, likes to play a 4-4-2 system, uh, an attacking style, which will suit Starbeck. And, um, you know, they lost their first game, his first game in charge at home to Trumso, although they missed a penalty in that, so could have easily got a result. And then um, nicked a 1-0 at Christiansen at the weekend, and they're still, um, 
think in the uh, in the Norwegian Cup. I'm not entirely sure about that one, but um, Starbeck, uh, not a bad start for um, for the new manager Jan Johnston um, at Starbeck. But uh, was, it, was it a case of um, Henningberg being asked to leave, or was it you know I look at the table, they're second bottom. So in the relegation zone, you know they're struggling a little bit, aren't they? Although they've got some games in hand, but um, what was the situation behind his departure, and or is he you know moving to bigger things in terms of maybe a slightly bigger league in terms of money and that kind of thing? Well, he would say that, wouldn't he? Um, naturally, but um, it, I want the uh, I want the truth from Meatman Soccer here. I don't. I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of that club, but um, uh, honestly, on the outside, me looking in, it, it may well be a case of he, he jumped before he was pushed because. They hadn't been doing very well. Uh, res yeah, resources aren't great there, but um, he kept them up last year. But I wasn't particularly impressed with Starbeck, and I actually think it's, it's done them a big favour in moving on, and they've probably replaced him with someone who's better suited at the club right now. So um, you know, it's going to be a battle against relegation for Starbeck this year, and uh, you know he can move to Cyprus for his. I mean, it's a strange place to go, isn't it? Sighting the Cypriot League. Um, well, I thought you might be joining Linus and Elias there uh, when you first mentioned it. But why, would, why would you want to go to Cyprus? Is there much money in that league? I have no idea, but the weather's better, I suppose. But um, yeah, you're not going to be struggling in sort of minus 10, uh, 10 temperatures, are you? Any, you're not going to find too much snow in uh, in Nicosia, are you, really? But uh, yeah, <laughs> strange one there, Henningberg, obviously former Manchester United player, and a very high profile name in, in Norway and international. Let's move on, and I wanted to touch on, um, well, the Norwegian Cup is one thing that you mentioned just there. Mm. Been a few shocks, haven't there? Unbelievable. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't, I actually watched the Norwegian Cup match the other night, um, which is, I don't, you know me, I, anyone who, who knows me well, I don't watch Cups very often. I was going to say, that's a bit of a surprise. <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually watched Arlesund against Rosenborg in the Cup because it's kind of, bit of box office at the moment um at Rosenborg still and they, and I mean Arsenal what incredible last two rounds they've had they beat Mulder 4-0 at home in the previous round 4-0 against the current league leaders of the elite Assyrian and then they've gone to Rosenborg uh, last night and beat them on penalties so they're into the quarterfinals but there's been so many shocks. Uh, Sarpsborg went down to Troms Darlin a couple of rounds ago. They're bottom of the Obosl again. Valerenga and Stroms Gutsa got beaten by third division opposition, which is incredible. And the uh, last couple of nights ago, Ranheim beat Brand 4 0 at home. Uh, Brand fielded a completely strong starting 11. Um, you know, it's been. I mean, Stroman uh, nearly. Uh, I mean, they they took. They, I think they're a second division side as well. They took Hogersund to extra time. Uh, we had Starbeck two, Viking five. So we've got a quarter final lineup of Arlesund against Viking. Arlesund are absolutely flying in the Obosl again. Look like they're going to be running away with the league. I think uh, this year under Lars Bahin in there. So they're in the quarterfinals. They could win the cup. Uh, second division side. Then we've got Mjern Darling against Hogersund, which is an all elite Serbian tie. And then Runheim against a team called Fram. I'm not a clue who Fram are, I've got to be honest. Not a clue. I don't even know what league they're in. Um, apologies. And then KFUM Oslo, who are in uh, the Obos League, and they're against Odd. I mean, I would have Odd as the favourites to win this competition now, actually. You mentioned they won the Norwegian Cup 12 times. May well be 13 times, but it's wide open competition. All the big boys 
pretty much out of this cup now, John, and um, it's it's been pretty staggering. Yeah, that's very interesting. And I haven't won it since 2000 the last time, so 19-year wait maybe about to end. Um, very interesting that, yeah, some of the teams in there are really quite quite, quite off the beaten track, aren't they? Um, perhaps we'll have to look into the, some of these teams, maybe maybe bring on some of the managers or something in, in future episodes. Um, let's move on now because we it's the summertime. The weather's fine. You know, we've got 20 degree temperatures around Europe, heat waves, that kind of thing. Ice creams are out. Uh, sandy beaches, Steve. Sunglasses. I think you know where I'm going with this because it's that time of the year where uh, European football swings into gear. And obviously that's a, a major occasion in the calendar for Swedish and Nordic teams, uh, Norwegian teams and Nordic teams in general, of course. Um, so, yeah, this is the time of the year where maybe teams can often maybe get a little bit distracted. Some of the big boys maybe take their eye off things, maybe with one eye on Europe um, and the pot of gold that awaits if they can get to the you know, Europa League or the Champions League group stages. Um, but it's the preliminary rounds at present and you're going to give us a bit of a rundown, aren't you, Steve, on some of the uh, plum ties we should be looking out for over the next sort of two, three weeks? Well, I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to start actually with Europa League. You're going to go through the Champions League, but um, you know this Europa League first round. Uh, I do, lo I love the Europa League uh, qualifying rounds it, better than the group stages, actually, because um, I mean there's some really good ties towards the end of it that really matter to a lot of sides. Um, unlike uh, you know some some of the sides in the Europa League don't like being in there, do they? Especially from teams from like the UK and that or England. Um, but uh, yeah, we've got the first qualifying round is uh the, the first legs the 9th 10th and 11th of july and then the uh, second legs a week after i mean teams involving uh norwegian and swedish got malmo are going to be facing potentially ballymena united from northern ireland we had them uh, we talked about them a couple of years ago when they faced odd in the europa league that'd be a massive great tie for them malmo should come through that easily shouldn't they um brand have got shamrock rovers an irish side um we've got north shipping are also um facing irish opposition st patrick's athletic uh which is uh let's see how they go there uh hacken uh, have already made it through to the second qualifying round where they've got a bit of a monstrous tie they're facing az alkmaar um 25th of july and 1st of august i mean they'd do very well to get past uh, them wouldn't they but uh the, the sheer fact that they're actually entering at that stage of the competition is uh, is obviously a positive for, for Hecken. Um And I feel like I've missed one one off Mulder. They've got uh, a team called KR from Iceland at home. So, I mean, it looks to me like, in, certainly in the first qualifying round, all of the sides that I mentioned there from Norway and Sweden have got very winnable ties. And and I really feel it's important that that both nations, in terms of the coefficient, They've got to be looking to try and get size through the group stage again, John, in my opinion. We had that last year with Malmö, Sarpsburg, Rosenborg. You know, let's see if we can do the same again, you know. Yeah, and just looking at St. Pat's, who are an Irish team, uh, I think based in Dublin, their tickets for the game against North Shopping are, are just €15, Euros, which is, you know, pretty tempting, I must say, um, for such a massive game. Um, and, you know, North Shopping are... I think they're one of the teams that you look at and think they they it, it would be a huge boost for their club to get you know deep into the qualifying rounds or even into the group stages all that 
you know, very difficult task. But you know, you look at the like Malmo are the ones who always sort of you know tend to tend to make the money in in this competition, um, and focus on it on it quite heavily. But you know, it'd be interesting if a team like Hacken or you know, Norshopping got into the into the you know Europa League group stages, wouldn't it, Steve? I mean, I'm looking. I mean, incredibly, the highest seeded team that will enter the qualifying for Europa League uh, is AS Roma with a ridiculously high coefficient. So imagine if one of the teams from Norway or Sweden drew them. I mean, uh, <laughs> that would be kind of very unlucky, wouldn't it? Um, but uh, well, maybe we'll get their Twitter account to, to give us sort of a retweet because they're, they're very active on Twitter, aren't they? So someone's going to get Roma in the... Um, I think third qualifying round, yeah. So uh, let's hope that someone gets that far. But um, you know, some very winnable ties uh, for sure. And uh, as I say, it'd be interesting to follow the the progress of these teams in Europe. What about the Champions League? What have what have AIK and uh, and Rosenborg got against John? Yeah, good uh, good segue there into this section of the Champions League because um, ties which will be played on the 9th and tenth of July and. 16th and 17th of July, so not too far away now. We've got Ararat Armenia against uh, Swedish champions Oikor. Uh, so that's a, an interesting test there in Armenia. And Rosenborg, the champions, will play another sort of, uh, well, Northern Irish team, uh, Linfield, who are based in Belfast. So, yeah, we've got a lot of, you know, the Irish or Northern Irish connection mm -hmm. is really going to be a big one. So. Yeah, that's 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 something positive and nice to see. We might be able to sort of talk to a few of their fans, maybe. Uh, I'm glad just to see that Rosenborg have avoided Celtic for once. Um, for it's a bit of a change, doesn't it? But uh, but yeah, there's not too many uh, you know knowns, but uh, there's you know there are a few big, relatively big teams in that in that you know uh, in that group like Celtic. Um, other teams with you know big names like French Maros, Red Star Belgrade. Um, but yeah, those are the two ties. I think Oikor will potentially fancy their chances. Um, it'll be a tough game. I can't say I know anything about our Armenia. I'm not going to lie to the listeners. I, I have to educate myself. I think in the next two weeks on them. Um, Linfield, of course, semi-pro team. So you'd think Rosenberg might fancy their chances, wouldn't you, Steve? Yeah, you know, it's not been a great year for Rosenberg, but you've got to think that they that they will fancy the chances there. I always say. If you want to make the group stage of, of the Europa League, I mean, let's be honest, if Rosenborg or um, ARK make the group stage of the Champions League, it'd be an absolute miracle, wouldn't it? Um, it's so hard to qualify for that. And I think there's only like five spots available or six. It's something really low number. Um, but it's still realistic. You could potentially make the group stage of the Europa League. But I th always think to actually get there, You've got to beat at least one really big team along the way. Like, Rosenborg did it against Ajax, didn't they, a couple of years ago? Um, when Ossetans qualified, I think they beat Galatasaray. Um, so if you want to get there, you have got to beat a big boy because it's very rarely the draw opens up so so easily that um, yeah, someone does the dirty work for you. Um, and it's just a question, can we see our, the sides like, you know, AIK, Rosenborg, they're probably going to end up in Europa League qualifying, aren't they? Um, can we see any of our sides sort of being able to to cause uh, big shocks against uh, sides that have only just come out of pre-season training, which so there are advantages, um, you know, for having the Summer League. So let's hope we can um, get some tasty matchups and, and some shots. 
Indeed, indeed, and we'll be covering those, and we may even get some special guests, uh, as we've done in the past, maybe, to come and join us. So, Definitely, yeah. So get ready for some Northern Irish and Irish accents, maybe, in the coming week. Top of the morning to you. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I th we think we'll leave it there, pretty much. Uh, just a couple of listener questions, maybe, before we go. Uh, shall I fire one at you, Steve? Or? Yeah, 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 fire. Far away. I mean, we had a question from Abdullah, which we've touched on, Abdullah FCK, which I enjoyed, which was, will, will uh, how simple will develop with Henrik Larsson? I think we, we've touched on that. It will be a big challenge for him, um, in my opinion. I think there is some potential with that club, uh, some decent talents there. But he's going to have to, he's, he's going to be, you know, if you look at an equivalent of maybe Frank Lampard at Chelsea, um, potentially going back to Chelsea, he's an absolute legend there. And, you know, they could lose their first three games in a row, and I don't think anyone would care. Um, this is a bit of a flip side, really. Larson has to win over the doubters, to be honest, and I think there are quite a few doubters at Helsingborg, really. So he's, a, he's in a bit of a tough situation there, but if he can overcome that early stage to get some wins, maybe all will be forgiven. Um, but, yeah, I mean, let's, let's pick up on a question from Anvald Schwederer, who asks, what happens to Rosenborg now in the later series? I mean, they're up to ninth in the table. You know, we talked about them at one point. They were near the relegation zone. Um, they've climbed away from that now. You know, they're they're about eight points off the the, the leaders. Oh, no, sorry, ten points, I think. Thirteen points. Uh, yeah. So, uh, what are their hopes, Leslie? Well, they actually won three games in a row not too long ago in the league. Um, they weren't convincing wins, although actually one was. They beat Valerenga three 0 but. I think half the issue there was how poor Valerenga had been. I'm not going to rant about Valerenga in this podcast because I do it in every other one. Um, but basically, um, I'm basically what I'm saying is I don't not sure what they actually beat in that game three nil. Well, I do know what they beat. They beat a side that's very uh, spineless and has no uh, no heart. But um, you know, three wins in a row looked like they'd steady the ship. But you know, these Norwegian Cup games have, have really messed up Rosenborg because they had to go to extra time against uh, Ness Sotra two rounds ago. They nearly got beat there. And then uh, obviously got beat on penalties by uh, Arlson. So they can't even beat two old boss again sides in the cup. The manager hasn't been rotating the, the team much at all. Um, we, we've all heard that he's uh, he trains the players really hard. Pre-season was rough. Uh, and now he's not even rotating the squad around. He just He didn't even change the goalkeeper for the cup. Which is staggering, um, but uh, and, and I think the fitness is, is noticeable. There's not much energy left in their tank, um, and this is going to be the same problem when when they enter the um, the European qualifiers. So I mean, you've got to presume they're going to have, they're going to beat Linfield surely, um, and they'll get through to the next round after that, and that's going to affect their league form. Look, the manager is not a bad manager, but he does not fit this club at all his philosophy, his ways. It's a bit like Premier League terms, Sean Dyche moving to somewhere like, well, Liverpool or Man City or Man United, you know, a really big club. I mean, it just probably wouldn't suit their style, would it? The way he plays. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean, we, we, we have sort of talked about him in the past as well, haven't we? And, mm. um, I think we'll move on quickly because I wanted to ask you another question we've had from Steve, at Steve, uh, your namesake there, Stephen, uh, at Steve, D-H-A-V-F-C. Um, 
And he asked a question, which I think we'll round it off on because it's a, it's a big game, isn't it, really? Uh, Bulldog Glimpse against Odd on Sunday. He says, how important is this game? Who do you think will win? And do you think the loser will fall off in the title race? Uh, no, I don't think the loser will fall off. I think both sides have, uh, have, have had defeats recently and they've bounced back from them well. So um, if there is a, a loser here, I think they can come back. How important is it? Yeah. Yeah, I think you ever if, if Odd win this game, then they're right in the title race for me, right in it. There'd be, uh, I mean, we'll see what Mulder do against Brown. I think Mulder will beat Brown actually at the weekend. Um, but just say Mulder win that, there'd be three points behind with two games in hand. So they'd be right up there, wouldn't they? Mm. Um, Buda Glimt. Well, it's a tough game to predict, actually. I don't, I don't know who's going to win this one. It's a clash of styles, that's for sure. Um, a really attack-minded side against all an odd team, I think, would be hard to break down and defensive. Cool, I couldn't. Yeah, I mean, while you stew on that for a second, uh, you know, just a couple of stats on these two teams. I mean, they both got goal difference of plus nine, but there couldn't be bigger contrast in terms of their general approach, could there? Mm. Odd of 18 goals from their 11 games. Boda Glimpse, 25 goals. Um, but meanwhile, Odd have conceded nine goals in their 11 games, whereas Boda Glimpse have conceded 16. Uh, and, you know, they've conceded more than Sarksborg and more than Starbeck down the bottom. So, you know, Buda Glimpse are definitely a all-action kind of uh, entertaining, you know, goals, lots of goals going in at both ends type team. Uh, I've given you there at least a good 25, 30 seconds there, Steve, to, to stew over that one. Yeah, I'm going with odd. I mean, just just remind me, I mean, Buda Glimpse faced Brown a few weeks ago, about a month ago now, at home, and they lost it 2-1. Um, and they were bullied by Brown's physicality in that game. And the same could happen here. Odd are a much more... You know, as a physical side, uh, tactical side in that way, experienced, and they can probably find a way to win ugly, um, odd in this game. I would, I would personally like to see Buda Glimp win. I, I've liked what I see from them this year, and it'd be really cool to see them staying up there. But um, I think it's a, it's not a good matchup for them. But uh, you know, maybe they've got what Buda Glimp have. They do have players that can make something happen. Um, out of nothing like Layuni or Akon Evian. So uh, let's so, see. I think I'd say 2 1 odd is my prediction. That's uh, fine. I thought you were going to sit on the fence there, but you've got 2 1 odd. Okay, interesting. And we'll end it on a couple of stats, although it's not necessarily relevant. Um, but odd have won their last six home matches. So, you know, away from home, how will they get on at Buda? And Buda have scored the opening goal in 73% of their games this season. So a couple of interesting stats for you there. We're going to round it up now. Um, tune in. We'll be analysing that game in, in upcoming shows. And we'll have plenty more interviews as well. We've got some really interesting guests lined up for the next uh, summer months, uh, which we'll be bringing you. So um, thanks to Sean Constable for appearing on the last show. And there's going to be plenty more to come. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at NordicFootPod or, or give us a like on Facebook, Nordic Football Podcast. Uh, you can also follow us on our individual pages, um, you know, Meet Man Soccer and FJF Football. But, yeah, you can look at that. Uh, on the Nordic Foot Pod Twitter account or YouTube. Uh, we're going to wrap it up there, and um, Steve as well will be coming up with some fantasy football um, YouTube streams, which he's been doing, uh, which have been very well received, haven't they, Steve? Um, so, yeah, we're going to say goodbye now. Thanks a lot for listening, and we'll be back soon. Thanks, and goodbye. Yeah, I'm due to do one of the fantasy videos. It probably won't be for the, before this round, but uh, before the next round, I think. Um, so, yeah, thanks for listening. We'll see you all very soon. Take care. Goodbye.